Amen. Acts chapter 16. And our text for this evening is the verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, that's the jailer, or Paul and Silas into his house, he said meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Who would have thought that? When Paul and Silas had been cast into prison. When writing to the believers in the church at Rome, Paul wrote these words, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose Romans 8 verse 28 for we know I wonder how many of the believers there in the church that Paul wrote to I wonder how many of them did know Paul states it here as an understood fact for we know that all things work together for good because when circumstances seem to be against us the believer finds it difficult to say well all things work together for good for example when Paul and Silas were arrested in the city of Philippi and mercilessly beaten did they wonder in themselves now how can what has just happened to us how can it be for our good how can it be for the good of the work of God how can all this this beating and this hatred and us being cast into the inner prison how can it work together for good we love the Lord but how can it work together for good and while they were there we're told they prayed there in that inner prison they prayed and sang praises unto God and what happened next an earthquake they had just finished praying and praising God or perhaps even their praying and their praising of the Lord was interrupted by an earthquake that shook the very foundations of the prison how could it be claimed all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and yet they must do they must work together for good because Paul wrote about it and he wrote about it because he believed it <coughs> and I wonder when he wrote those words in Romans 8 and verse 28 for we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love the uh, love God and to them who are called according to his purpose I wonder when he wrote those words to the believers in the church at Rome was he thinking about what took place that night in the president of the park because in the face of it things certainly didn't look too good and they didn't look as if they would work together for any kind of good at all indeed we have before us before us a wonderful example of the truth of those words that Paul himself wrote for we know that all things work together for good we have a wonderful example of that here in Acts 16 and what took place there in the prison of Philippi indeed God proved the truth of those words to Paul and Silas that night so here we see prayer and providence God's providence in the dealings with Paul and Silas when they were in prison after being beaten we see God's providence in the law and we see how indeed all those things painful they most certainly were we see how they all work together for good and to the glory of God first of all want to look at Paul and the miracle you may say well where's the miracle well we'll see the miracle in a moment being battered and beaten and bloodied we read at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God they no sooner finished praying and praising but something happened the verse 26 tells us and suddenly there was a great earthquake suddenly there we see first of all the suddenness of this miracle suddenly at midnight was an earthquake now I believe that that earthquake came in response to the praying of Paul and Silas came in response you'll notice how the word and joins the two verses together and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly and so the earthquake came I believe in response to the praying of Paul and Silas not necessarily that they pray for an earthquake but God was answering their prayer you know God still answers prayer suddenly listen to this Isaiah 65 verse 24 and it shall come to pass 
that before they call I will answer and while they are yet speaking I will hear and so even before God's people even before we call there are those times that the Lord will have already answered prayer and while we are praying God will answer he will yet hear that tells us that regarding prayer and supplication God at times will come suddenly even for those matters you have been praying about you've been praying about and praying about for some time you know God can answer suddenly but notice further this earthquake happened following prayer does this not show us what can be done through prayer Mark 11 there we mark 11 verse 23 words of the Lord for verily and truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith and there are those things in your life in my life they're like mountains we wonder will that mountain ever be removed the Lord here tells us it will if when we pray we believe and we believe God God can move mountains in our lives and here he certainly moved the earth when this earthquake came and shook the very foundations of that prison you know that's what we need in this land we need a spiritual earthquake that will shake them to their very foundation and turn from their sin and turn to the God of heaven we need to pray to that end for here we see what can happen through prayer as well as the suddenness we notice this miracle was selective now you might have wondered why do we describe this earthquake as a miracle what happened why do we call it a miracle notice here what the Holy Spirit has recorded for he's the author of the book what he's recorded regarding what took place that night in that jail in Philippi there was an earthquake yet the prison building didn't collapse but the doors were opened 
That's a miracle. There was an earthquake, yet no one was killed or injured. Indeed, Paul cried out, Do thyself no harm, we are all here. There was an earthquake, and no one was killed or injured, but everyone's bands were loose. Is that not a miracle? There was an earthquake, yet the jailer's house was still standing. We know such things did not often happen. And earthquakes, we've seen enough videos and photographs. For verse 34, it says, And when he brought them into his house, so his house was still standing. A miracle. There was an earthquake, yet no one ran out of the building. When an earthquake occurs and buildings begin to shake, people run out of the building. Not here. Paul told the jailer, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. That was a miracle. We are all here. Yet, as a result of that earthquake, a jailer and his family were one for Christ there's a miracle of grace what did Paul say for we know that all things work together for good there's the providence of God there's the providence of God we have seen Paul and Silas and they're praying to God. We see there the providence of God. For it's true, all things do work together for good. For Paul and Silas, everything that night looked very bleak and very dark. But the unseen hand of the sovereign God was at work. And he was working all things out for his honour and his praise and his glory and for good. As well as the suddenness and the selectiveness, their attention is drawn to the sleeper. Sleeper, of course, being the jailer. Of course, Paul and Silas were not sleeping. They were praying and singing praises unto God. But one person who was asleep was the keeper of the prison, verse 27. And it was the earthquake that awakened him from his slumbers. And that prompted him to say to Paul what must I do to be saved isn't that what it takes sometimes isn't that what it takes in the lives of those who know not Christ they're sleeping in their sin they go on day by day week by week, month by month, year by year 
without a care, without a thought about eternity, about heaven or about hell and about their sin and the judgment. You know what they need? They need an earthquake to take place in their lives. For they go on day by day, day by day with no hope and without God in the world or the world to come. Ephesians 2 and 12. They need an earthquake. Something that will shake them to their foundation. A serious illness. We've heard of that happening before. Unconverted. No time for God and the things of the Lord. And suddenly they're led aside with a serious illness and they begin to look up. They realize they're not saved. Or maybe a car accident. Or perhaps some other matter that took place, takes place in their life and it shakes them to their very foundation and it awakens and here the sleeper was awakened he's awakened from his slumbers yet why did the ungodly wait so long for something like this to take place in their lives to really shake them when Paul tells us whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved simple no earthquake no serious illness no car accident no tragedy just a simple call upon the name of the Lord Paul says you shall be saved So St. Paul and the miracle. All those things happened. And yet Paul said to thyself, no, we're all here. No life was lost. Paul and the miracle. Next we have Paul and his message. Following the earthquake, events happened very quickly. Especially regarding the keeper of the prison. First of all, we see his intention. Seeing all of the prison doors open, he thought all the prisoners had escaped. And there was only one thing in his mind, and that was to take his own life. Because there would be serious consequences for that jailer if all the prisoners had escaped. He would have paid for it with his life. And indeed that's what was on his own mind. He anticipated the worst. He decided to take his own life, yea, to commit suicide. In verse 27, the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Supposing that the prisoners 
had been prayed. There was his intention. His intention was to take his own life. As far as the jailer was concerned, suicide was his only way out of his troubles. Oh, how many people think that? They take their own life, the troubles are only beginning. Oh, how sad. And for so many who don't know the Lord and don't know the comfort that God is able to give, that's their only course of action. I heard a statistic given lately. In the U.S. last year, 100,000 suicides were recorded. 100,000. You would think that would be the headlines every day. Oh no. Such an item as news like that is pushed off to the side. Hardly ever mentioned. Think of it. A hundred thousand in a year in the States committed suicide. Many cannot find a way out of their troubles. <coughs> and believe suicide is the only answer. What a sad, sad situation. If only, if only they would look up to Christ. There's the answer. No. Not suicide. That's not the answer. Salvation is the answer. Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. For put your trust in Christ and you'll experience the peace of God which passeth all understanding. There you have the intention of this jailer. Through his sword, was about to kill himself. As well as the intention, you have the intervention. Paul intervened in the jailer's plan to end his life. For again, verse 28, that Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. Do thyself no harm. There was no need for the jailer to harm himself. Because Paul had a message for him. Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. Do thyself no harm. You think of it in those few words there was comfort. Paul saying to the, the jail, do thyself no harm. You don't need to take that way out. Do thyself no harm. You know those words could go out if it were possible to all those who were contemplating doing the same that the jailer did. They like to cry out to him and say, Friend, do thyself no harm. 
do thyself no harm. There's an answer. There's an answer to your need. There's an answer to your troubles. Do thyself no harm. There's a better life for you. A life of joy and peace that only Christ is able to give through the cleansing of your sin by his blood. Do thyself no harm. You don't need to go down that road. You don't need to adopt that attitude. You don't need to reach for your sword and take your own life. Do thyself no harm. There's love and there's joy and peace and comfort in Christ. <coughs> and that was the message <coughs> that Paul and Silas would soon give to the jailer. And remember, all of this came about as a result of Paul and Silas being beaten and cast into prison. Now he's going to have the opportunity to give the gospel to a jailer and not only to the jailer but to his own family there's the providence of God for we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to them that are called according to his purpose all things work together for good you think of it too we know that God has his chosen people chosen in him from before the foundation of the world but there was some of the Lord's chosen people the jailer and his family how was the gospel going to be given to them it is evident that the jailer had no time for spirits and matters no time for the things of God how was the Lord going to get the gospel to the jailer and his family this was how this was how Paul and Silas would be arrested and put into prison and as a result they would have the opportunity to give the gospel to the jailer when he cried out what must I do to be saved there's the providence of God as we mentioned there at the beginning of the message as Paul and Silas were beaten mercilessly and cast into prison and it was at midnight and it was dark and they were suffering they could have said how is all this working together for good well it did didn't it read in Romans 10 verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher there is the sovereignty of God at work 
God placed Paul and Silas in that prison that he or rather they might preach how shall they hear without a preacher and Paul and Silas were those preachers and reached this jailer and his family under extraordinary circumstances individuals with, that would not have normally been found under the preaching of the gospel and what did the Lord do he brought the gospel to them in a providential way he had the intention of the jailer he was going to kill himself he had the intervention Paul when he cried out do thyself no harm and then you have the interest suddenly a man who just a short time before was asleep and had no interest in spiritual matters and no interest in the things of God at all no interest in heaven or hell no interest in salvation that is until the earthquake and that night not only was that jailer awakened physically the jailer was awakened spiritually for we read in verses 29 and 30 then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved there's his interest as a result of an earthquake just as we've already said sometimes it takes an earthquake in somebody's life to create an interest in their hearts the things of God you know there are some commentators do not believe that the jailer was speaking about salvation when he said what must I do to be saved well we've only to look at the response from Paul and Silas because that's how Paul and Silas understood what he meant when he said what must I do to be saved Paul and Silas answered believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house Paul understood immediately that the jailer was speaking about salvation he wasn't just speaking about being saved out of his predicament no Paul and Silas understood that this man when he said what must I do to be saved he was talking about saved, talking about salvation a good old fashioned word saved what must I do to be saved and that's how Paul responded believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved amazing this man who just a short time before 
I treated Paul and Silas in a very rough way. Remember, we pointed out last week, thrust them, cast them into the prison, the way a fisherman casts his net. They cast them, or he cast them into the prison. And now, it's crying out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Those who are praying for the souls of loved ones can take heart. Take heart. Here we have an example of how God can work and change a man's thinking suddenly. Suddenly. Today they have no concern about their soul or about eternity tomorrow. They can call the preacher and say, Sir, what must I do to be saved? It can happen as suddenly as that. As it happened to this jailer. His intention, the interruption, the inter- intervention, you have his interest, what must I do to be saved? And then you have the instruction. Upon hearing what they cried, what the jailer cried, Paul and Silas wasted no time in giving him an answer to his question. No. You have any love for souls? You have not miss up an opportunity or give up an opportunity like that. When the jailer said, What must I do to be saved? Instantly, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No. He didn't tell the jailer, well listen, now you need to tight, clean up your life. You need to go a little more gently on, on handling prisoners. Didn't say anything like that. What you need to do, Mr. Jailer, you need to believe. And the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Mr. Jailer, you need your sins dealt with. You need your life cleansed from sin by the precious blood of Christ. There was only one answer to the question. There was only one answer. What must I do to be saved? Only one answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved down thy house. And Paul had the right answer to the man's question. For salvation, as we know, is not in a church. How many times and how often have we heard that? Go around the doors and you give out gospel literature or invitations to church. And I've found it many a time when we did that work around the doors in Ulster one woman I remember not far from where we live we gave her the gospel and she said my minister says if I, if I attend church and give in to the church God will accept me 
Now, attending church and giving in to the church doesn't take away sin. It's the blood of Christ that takes away sin. And salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. The Savior himself said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Lord didn't say, He that believeth on me and <coughs> something else. No. He that believeth on me, me alone, nothing else, no one else, me alone has everlasting life. For we know that Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. By me. That was Paul's message. To this children, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, he didn't say anything to the jailer about what what he believed about Christ. Doesn't matter what you believe. Salvation is believing on Christ. A man can have all the head knowledge. That he needs. But it's the heart knowledge. It's what he believes in his heart. You believe with all thy heart, thou shalt be saved. And without a saving knowledge, such a saving knowledge of Christ, that soul is no nearer heaven no matter how many churches he has membership in no matter what he gives to the church no matter what good deeds he carries out day by day he's no nearer heaven than the man who never heard the gospel that's it that's a fact and that is the truth and Paul gave and Silas gave the children the truth believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved on thy house so we looked at Paul and considered Paul and the miracle Paul and the message we see finally Paul and the minister Scripture plainly teaches and states that the jailer did indeed believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved. Verse 34 And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meat before them and rejoiced what? Believing in God with all his house. The first thing I notice about this jailer, after he received Christ, I notice his compassion. Verse 33 
and he took them the jailer took Paul and Silas and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized so as a saved man he and all his straight way and when he had brought them into his house he sat meek before them there's his compassion why that's a different man now than the one that Paul and Silas were first introduced to he didn't show Paul and Silas any compassion then when he cast them in and thrust them in to the inner prison now he takes Paul and Silas the same hour of the night wasn't going to leave it till the morning the same hour of the night and washed their stripes he washed their stripes set meat before them there's his compassion and what a change does it bring home to us again Paul's words for any man that is in Christ he's a new creature there's the evidence he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things become new here is another example of that from dealing with Paul and Silas in a cruel fashion now he deals with Paul and Silas with compassion sure evidence he was a new creature his compassion then of the congregation you say well where's the congregation well there it is in verse 32 and they that Paul and Silas spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house there's his congregation oh we don't know how many were in the house but there's certainly more than one they were given the opportunity to give the gospel to the jailer and to the jailer's family yes believer yes it is true all things work together for good to them that love God because here is Paul we have Paul and Silas cast into prison beaten And there they are at midnight and an earthquake and the jailer awakened out of his sleep awakened physically and awakened spirits that came to Paul and Silas said what must I do to be saved now believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and he got saved and he brought Paul and Silas and washed their stripes and brought them into his house and fed them after Paul had the opportunity to preach to the whole family all things do work together for good there's the providence of God his compassion his congregation and his conversion conversion not one 
conversions. For we read there again in verse 34, And when he had brought them into his house, he set me before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Paul said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Well, lo and behold, that's what happened. And Paul got preaching, and Silas got preaching to the jailer, and to all in his family and that night their night was turned to day their sins were washed away and as a result of Paul and Silas been cast into prison they saw a number of people saved as a result of that awful night when they were beaten and cast into the inner prison. Now the Paul said, For we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Prayer and providence. That they all take comfort encouragement from these words and from what happened in the lives of Paul and Silas. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Oh, our dear Lord, we bless thee for the word. Lord, there's so much there to encourage us. So much there to encourage us. Help us, Lord, always to remember Paul's words, for we know all things work together for good. We know, Lord, it's hard to take it in sometimes. It's hard, Lord, to stand upon that promise. So many things seem to be against us. But we know, Lord, the hand of a sovereign God is at work. A hand that we cannot see, except by faith. Though, Lord, write this word upon all of our hearts. Use it to encourage us. As we see just how suddenly God can work in the salvation of souls. Dear Lord, be with us this week. Keep us all healthy and well. Remember Sister Morai, <coughs> Sister Anne. Bless the Lord, we pray. In the wider church family. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our abiding portion now and forevermore. Amen.